Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. You're very welcome to this very special London Marathon part one of our journey to London. This is a two-part episode because the second half of it, I'm going to run the feckin' thing. Who would believe it? Just under three years since Sonia first suggested that she coach me, here I am. Sonia, I I never said I'd do it. (laughs) This occurred to me during the week. I need to have you asked me about marathons before. I always was like, nah, (laughs) why would anybody do that? But it's weird. It's weird to find myself in this place. Is it normal to get into this kind of headspace of where am I here <laughs> I guess it's existential um, angst in the lead up to it totally yeah and I think you know I suppose you don't want to be you don't want to be in that state every day this week and I think when you were saying there about never running marathon I thought that was the whole object at the very beginning hmm. and we had to talk you out of it <laughs> yeah maybe until we until we got you up. I must go back now and find my notes. But I think that was the inspiration at the very beginning mm. was ultimately a marathon. And I'm I don't think you I don't think you realise how long and how much preparation it would take to do that. Mm. And I think we were heading down that road and then we pulled it back and we went and it went for the five K. Yeah. And it was funny, I was telling um Sophie was with me on the weekend. And I was telling her that, um, I said, oh, no, Vinny has to take over the marathon training because I was too kind, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't able to give you too much to do because I didn't think you were ready for it. And I wow. suppose the main thing with me at the beginning was that I just didn't want you to be injured. Mm. And, you know, we, and you did get injured. And so then we had to come back from that. And, but then you obviously became a durable runner. That's yeah. what you must remember on Sunday. I'm a durable runner. I'm a durable runner. It is true that I, that whole, your concern for me getting injured, I could feel it at the start. And then I had my own concern for it because if people don't know, I was told I was never going to run it. But Sonia convinced me that if we took it slow, we'd get there, which began a, a kind of an injury paranoia <laughs> from from day one. <laughs> Which I guess you're right that recognizing your own durability was the first step past that. And yeah, I was thinking about this mantra thing that you're saying there. I'm a durable runner is isn't the most powerful mantra. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> well, it isn't. Uh, you think about the. Duracell bunny, you know, you're durable. Yeah, you're yeah, that's, yeah, there's something in it. It's 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 certainly not I'm the greatest. <laughs> it's not even hey, I'm decent. It, you got to remember all these people who are around you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you're an enemy of this. I'm the greatest. What about well, I guess, people? Yeah, and I guess durability is is a consideration in this. And I reckon the last few weeks a few thoughts have clicked with me that I wanted to run by you. Uh, the first was just a recognition that most of this thing is about restraint. Most of the actual performance on the day is about restraining the ego, the urge, 
the emotions and the sense that I can run faster than this. Absolutely. And I suppose the other thing is that you focus on yourself rather than everybody else around you, because it's so easy to look around and see mm. all these people and they're going to be in all shapes and sizes yeah. and wearing all sorts of costumes. And you're going to be thinking, I can keep up with them. <laughs> but maybe you can. <laughs> and you definitely can for 10K. Mm. And, and the other thing you'll notice is that some of these people who are running past you in the first 10K, there's a good chance if you get this right, you'll see them again in the last 10K, but you'll be going mm. past them. And you have to remember that. Like if you see some funny looking things, I always remember one time I was in the Great North Run and there was a man running down the road and he was carrying an ironing board. And I thought, that's unbelievable. And I, I don't know, I might have been walking and running that year. I, I don't think I was going at full speed. But what amazed me was that I actually saw him again in the last mile. And nice. these things kind of go into your head and you remember them. And then when you see them again, you're kind of amused by it. And yeah. it gives you a little bit of a lift. So... There's no harm looking all around, you know, because you might as well entertain yourself. It's a long way to run down the road. You don't have to go with the blinkers on. But I think as long as you're observing, you know, as entertainment, those people around you, rather than thinking, I got to beat these people, then I think you're containing the aggression and the opposite to what you would do when you normally line up in a race is you attack it. Whereas mm. you're not attacking this, you're holding back and you're going to attack the last 10K. And you have yeah. to remember that there's a yeah. time will come when you're going to need to attack and you're going to need to fight and you're going to need to call upon everything you got mm. um, to get there. And you might as well save that too when you really need it, when the finish line is in sight. Sai, I knew you'd come up with the goods in this episode. I mean, this is stuff that we need to put to music <laughs> because <laughs> that's th that's it, right? Like, that's it in a nutshell. I mean, if you can play that back when you were running this, that that 10K at the end is what I'm preparing and what all of us who are training for marathons are preparing for. My understanding of that has grown immeasurably over the last two months specifically that trying to put yourself in that awkward position where you have to draw upon a part of yourself that maybe you've never drawn upon in your life. And I'm sure there's people who are running marathons who are like, no, no, I, I, I actually know that well inside me and I enjoy getting there and calling upon it. But for me, as a first time marathon runner, it's a first. It's a first time. It's, a, it's new territory. That sense of the great unknown is something that I guess you must find hard to relate to because running and going to the well is so part of your life, your understanding of what this activity is. Uh, do you struggle to relate on this level in that you've had to get to a place to talk to people like me and the listeners about what this thing that you take as normal is and how they can do it too um no, not totally i think you know over the years i've definitely evolved into experiencing the unknown and i think the best marathon that i ever did was one that i did for fun and it was purely i think i ran um, with the irish guide dogs uh, not the boston marathon that was uh, another experience that's a category <laughs> all on its own um but it was actually the dublin marathon in 2015 
And I approached it totally differently, casting aside, you know, all the running I'd ever done before. And this was purely me just wanting to run a marathon and to enjoy the experience of it. And, you know, I felt like my body was in good shape, that I could get myself there. I don't feel like I could do that right now. But back then, I definitely felt like, yeah, I can manage this. I can tolerate the train. And I've got to, and I had a full understanding of it. So I think the key for you is to have a visualization of what it's going to be like. So you've got to kind of, and you don't have to do this every day and every night before you go to bed. (laughs) You just Mm -hmm. have to. At one point, at some point this week, you have to get out your notebook and a pen and write down what you think is going to happen and what you think is the best case scenario. And then you kind of get that into your head. And that, and what I did was I wrote down, and I have it somewhere, the splits every 5K and where I wanted to be. Hmm. And then I compared it afterwards. And I think what happens is you you don't have to, run exactly what you write down but you have to run exactly how you feel that you've written down so okay. i can remember like the very first kilometer i ran was a bit too fast but that's normal but i was able to check it and i thought whoa we've got a hold back here and then all of a sudden it was like i came to a complete stop because there was people streaming past me like it was unbelievable the amount of people who were running past me and then i settled down into a pace that was closer to what I wanted to do it was still a little bit fast but I kept checking and then I settled into where every kilometer was the same and I think that's the key is once you're hitting them all the same and you're feeling fully in control yourself and then you check it at 5k and you check it at 10k and then I think I went from 10k to 20k and half marathon because otherwise you forget the numbers in your head so you have to have the key numbers so things like 10k half marathon and then 30k is a big one as well Mm. 12k to go so yeah you just have to have these little checkpoints along the way and the other thing is you need to know where tina and mikey are going to be because that's another distraction for you to look out for they might turn up in one or two places but if you just know one spot where they're going to be and i can remember this because a friend of mine martin o'rourke he lives in rathgar and he said oh i'm going to come out and watch it and it wasn't the nicest of day. It was a bit grey. It was a bit rainy. And so I remember coming down and you turn off on a corner as you come through Rathgar village. And I thought, I'm looking all around for him and I'm thinking, oh, there's too many people here. I'm never going to spot him. And then just as I rounded the corner, he took his hat off and waved it in the air. <laughs> and, and I had a big wave. Ah, there you are. <laughs> and, you know, it's like you're out for a normal run then. It just kind of normalizes the whole thing. And takes away the intensity of it and you get this boost and then you're flying down the road because you know someone cares enough to come out and cheer you yeah. on 100% and I mean you've talked about a couple of things here that you've covered that now again make more sense to me about the breaking down into the manageable chunks and how something like this as you say your friend appearing waving his hat can take your mind from what the activity is and put it in a state that it it wasn't uh, and just kind of relieved the valve a tiny bit, I'd imagine. Uh, we'll have to choose that spot very carefully for Tina and Mikey. If you are coming out to this, be sure to uh, uh, give me a roar. The, the name is on the singlet. It's just Jar because I thought Jarlath would be too much for uh, British people to try and wrap their tongues around. <laughs> but uh, I, I know that there is 
other listeners that are taking part as well. I want to wish them all the very best. Tip of the week, 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 tip of the week. It's Sonia's tip of the week. You've often talked to me about plan A, plan B and plan C. Now, if you're a David Goggins man, you'd be like, there's no plan B, there's no plan C. You got to force your way through A. (laughs) I don't don't really subscribe to that. I have my plan A, which is 520 pace the whole way through and moonwalking across the finish line. Uh, the, The plan B you've said in the past is if everything goes wrong. What is plan C exactly? It's plan C. Oh, that might be you might be walking in plan C. Um, <laughs> <laughs> plan C, you don't really want to go there, do you? Um, I don't know, I kind of take t- plan A and B, you know, to keep mm. yourself out of the, the darkness of plan C. Unless plan C might be, you know, you're w- running way beyond yourself. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, when I was thinking about because I couldn't figure out what, what did she because it was mentioned before that like there needs to be a third way which is like best case and worst case there's always a kind of a medium case where it's like uh, 520 didn't really work out it seems that 530 is the pace that you should have been doing and this dawns on you as the race goes on or but, you go too fast as you say you've gone too fast now you've fucked up you've made a mistake now what is that what plan C is I think so. That's when you have to come up with a rescue plan. And you've got to somehow change the thoughts in your mind to, I've got to rescue myself from this. I've got to consolidate here and forget about what I've done. Forget about what I was trying to do. And you've got to start doing some maths in your head hmm. and work out how far to go, how long you think it's going to take you and how what manageable pace you can do. Because the thing is, you have to settle into a rhythm. And whether that's just, you know, it might be a six minute kilometer rhythm, but if that's it, then you've got to go with it and you've got to accept it and think, okay, well, at least I'm moving forward. Mm. But you have to, you can't be, you know, dying out there on your legs, kind of trying to run as fast as you can every kilometer. You've got to manage where you're at and how far you've got to go and find a way of doing it. Well, how far do you have to go was a question that a lot of runners were asking themselves at the 10K National Championships this uh, weekend in <laughs> Ireland. Now, Sonia, what it was It must have been a nice surprise, wasn't it? <laughs> this finish line came early. Everybody crossing the line in uh, 10K PBs. I mean... World records. <laughs> world records all over the shop. Uh, what was... Have you ever heard of something similar to this taking place where there's a measurement screw up or there's a, a course like it happened to me in Wicklow, I guess, where we went on the wrong mm-hmm. route and wound up shortchanged by a few hundred metres. Must be devastating, though, for the runners. It is, but it's, you know, it's human error. It's very easily done because a lot of the people out there who are directing the runners are volunteers and they're like marshals and they're, oh, yeah, I'll do that. But if they're not in fully involved in the club, if they're not fully involved in the run, under, if they don't know the run, they don't really know what they're doing. Mm. And so something happened there where, was it the lead car went the wrong way? Yes. Um, I don't know if they were directed the wrong way or, you know, when you're out there yeah. on the road, like you just got to say, if you're out running a race and if it's not marked, you often come to points where you could go 
one, two or three different ways. Yeah. So, you know, it's easy that someone else would do that. And then, of course, as soon as one person does it, then everybody does it. And, mm. you know, people just follow along and nobody questions it, even though someone in there probably knows. They're thinking, hang on a second, we're going the wrong way here, but maybe it's a different route. Maybe there's some reason and we're going to tack on this time somewhere else. But what's going to happen there is once the people start hitting the times on their watch will not link up with the markers on the road. And mm. so I think they would have known pretty early on. But there's nothing you can do about it. Well, the organisers were absolutely distraught and I have to give a shout out to them because obviously they're as disappointed as anybody and uh, something like this, as Sonia says, is human error. Uh, but my heart goes out to Jake O'Regan, winner of the Cove 10, who also won <laughs> only to have it all wiped away. Uh, I, I I don't know if they go again, but I guess it's that's just it for 2023. Is that correct? Um, well, there's plenty of 10K road races around the country. It's mm. not very difficult to say, listen, can you do the national championship? Mm. Um, I think. I mean, I don't think the winners, okay, they don't win the national championship, but they should definitely still get prizes for winning. They can't yeah. just walk away empty-handed. Trevor Cummins took on the Boston Marathon. He's my first shout-out, Sonia. Uh, did you, you were glued to it yourself there over in Portland. Uh, you must have been very proud of Trevor's performance. Oh yeah, Trevor ran great. I was tracking him on the tracker and um, he set off at a fair healthy pace and he did slow a little bit. Um, he, I mean, he's he's kind of got his own 236 is kind of his, or it's probably six minute mile pace. It's around six minute pace, 236, six minute mile. And he set off at he's, what he's able to do over a normal flat course, but yeah, no, he experienced the hills and he said it's like no other marathon. You know, yeah. you just have to roll with the punches and you do get punched on that course a few times as mm-hmm. Elliot Kipchoge discovered. What was your thoughts there? Because um, I spotted him being a bit sniffly in the lead-in. Is there any chat around him being ill? Because this was a real shock to see him not dominate this race. Well, it was and it wasn't. I mean, I wasn't surprised because, you know, he's... Well, as everybody's saying now, and they're saying everybody's saying that. He's obviously getting a bit older. I mean, mm. he can't be so dominant forever. Mm. And this was a brand new challenge for him. And it wasn't like he was up against, you know, a a weak field. It was two yeah. previous winners in there. A lot of experienced Boston Marathon runners. And you do tend to see that people who win the Boston Marathon are finishing the top three. They come back over and over again because they're good at that course. And I know a lot of the Kenyan runners who have run there in the past would have trained in Boulder and they had these courses that they would run over there when they were training to mimic the up in the kind of roller coaster hills of Boston. Mm. And, you know, it's not like simply going out there and doing a hilly run. Because I know in Kenya, they do this big, long run. It's a big, long, hilly run. I think it's 18 miles. It might even be 22 and they run up a massive big hill. And that's a big part of their marathon training. And so, of course, you're going to think, I run, I run hills. I do hills in my long run. But there's a huge difference running up hills to running down hills. And most people don't run downhill very, very much. They don't run downhill at a good pace. And I think he couldn't. What happened was what Trevor said to me in a message was that 
he probably took it easy going up that hill, the main hill. You could see he backed off there and he mm. probably thought, okay, I'm just going to get up this hill. I'm not going to overextend myself. It's hard enough to run up a hill, you know, at a steady pace without trying to run up there hard. And then when I get to the top, I'll fly down the other side. But the thing is, you can't fly down the other side because your legs have taken such a hammering on the downhills that you can't take the beating of running downhill because your legs are so sore. So the normal advantage of running downhill is gone. It just it's gone. And then you're kind of left confused. Like you're kind of thinking, hang on a second. Why can I not run even at the pace I want to go downhill? But your legs are so sore. And I'm sure that must have he must have got that feeling. Mm. And then Mm. maybe there was other factors. And, you know, I mean, it was disappointing that he didn't, I think, stop and talk to people afterwards. You know, when there was so much build-up around him running, and there was a lot of people think Cahill Dennehy was engaging in some conversations last night on Twitter about, you know, when you have the biggest star in World Marathon, you know, the biggest attraction in the race, and then he just puts out a small statement afterwards, that's really not good enough. Mm. Um, You know, for all the fans out there who, you know, wanted to see him run and, you know, wanted him to see him win the Boston Marathon. Um, but then when he doesn't, they want to ask him why. And you want that kind of emotional, straight after the race reaction to get the reality of it. Otherwise, it's it's kind of a rationalized version that you yeah, kind of very sanitized. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're better off. You need to have that raw emotion afterwards. Like, you know, you'll have that on Sunday. Everybody has it when they cross the finish line. And it's that thing, you know, never again. But then, you know, by, by tomorrow, then you're thinking you're already signed up for next year. Mm. You know, so everybody has that kind of mad reaction after the marathon that we all want to see. Would you put that down to a little bit of uh, pissed offness, a little bit of anger or uh, or is there another story here? Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably something there. There's, he was hoping he would get away with it and he thought, OK, I'm, well, I'm way better than everybody else here. Even if I'm not 100%, then I should be able to manage this. But he was a bit too aggressive early on, and then he paid for it. Mm-hmm. He was leading, he was running like his strong, you know, I'm the boss sense. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you have to, and like you said, you know, you have to put aside your ego and, you know, run, run in the pack and just hide for a while. Why do you have to be front and center? coming down the road but maybe he was doing that because he knew he wasn't quite right so he wanted to make sure that he was out there giving himself every chance yeah trying to will himself forward i mean the other irishman abroad members that ran it aside from trevor include mick classy who came in in a time of two hours 29 minutes 48 seconds winona grant who we heard from last week on the long run she gave us a good long chat about what it meant to her to take part. She's definitely felt the emotion finishing in a time of three hours, 16, 39 minutes. The conditions were rough and there was a huge downpour for a lot of the runners at about mile 20, which Sonia has to be, that's the lap of the gods stuff, right? In preparing for London, I've the whole time in my head, the thought that I have when I'm preparing for a comedy show you don't know who's going to be in the crowd. There's certain uncontrollables that you just have to settle into, right? 
and that in Boston was this torrential downpour. Yeah, I mean there was there was a lot of rain there, and um, I think it, it's, they've had it worse. You see in Boston. So a few years ago, they had a really bad, rainy, windy. It was like it slowed everybody down. So I think they didn't really focus too much on the weather yesterday because they've had worse. They thought, well, yeah. this is not too bad. And they were actually all running in their singlets and, you know, there, there was people taking off their gloves and taking off their arm warmers. So I don't think it was that cold. So I think that helps a lot. When If it's raining and it's not too cold, then that's okay. Um, mm. So I think for the elite runners, it's generally okay. But for those who are three hours and slower, then I think that's where you tend to feel the rain a bit more and the cold because you get yourself to a point of when you're running and your temperature rises, your body temperature rises and you warm up and you're sweating, but then the rain comes and you get cold and that's not a nice feeling at all. So I think that's the problem when you have something like, you know, unexpected weather like that and how you deal with it and it can just make for uncomfortable running for a lot of people. Mm. Um, who are out there for, you know, beyond three hours. Yeah, so that's I think, the thing. The, be, I mean, the extra bit of time is, is, makes it tougher, right? That's a side that the elites don't have to deal with, that they're not out there for that length of time. Um, yeah, that's it. I mean, they can get in and they're hosed and they're dry. And, you know, there's people still out there running on the streets and you can see the people watching on the sidelines with their umbrellas and their raincoats. So, you know, you know, they're getting wet out there. And it's, I mean, it looks for a Sunday like there could be a bit of rain, mm. um, but it actually doesn't look too bad. It's, it's less than one millimeter over the course of the morning. So it might be a soft, gentle rain. Is that what you call it? Soft day? Yeah, a soft day. <laughs> uh, shout out to Tim Long, who also ran it. Uh, and also Stephen Daly, who's accompanied me on an awful lot of runs. Uh, he ran the Rotterdam Marathon in the Netherlands in a time of three hours, 21 setting a PB for himself. Congratulations to you, Stephen. Do you have any shout outs, Sonia, that you want to do? Um, I just had one here, actually, who I popped up on me is um, Kira Cullen. And um, so she's been knocking on the door 25 minutes for 5K. And uh, it looks like she might have had a little bit of a malfunction with her watch. At, um, she was in a park run. Um, where was I can't remember. I didn't write down the park run. Donna Bate, probably. That's Donna her Bate, local that's one. Yeah. yeah. That's where it was, Donna Bate Park Run. And uh, she might have had a malfunction with the watch. So maybe she was under 25, but not recorded. But um, yeah, it's there. And I think she'll probably get it over the next few weeks. So we'll wish her all the best for that. Okay. And the final shout out goes to uh, Ross Gallagher in Castle Island. Uh, Noel Carr ran with Ross, who is visually impaired. Uh, he ran with them uh, a couple of Saturdays ago in Ballybunion 10k uh, and you can see that on Strava 54 minute run Ross completed the Cove 10 the week before with Circa from St Finbar's Club guided him around in a time of 104 he, this man Noel Carr says is fearless Sonia so uh, <laughs> great to give him a shout out on the show yeah it's great to see people out there pushing the boundaries and you know others helping them yeah, absolutely. If you want to get the opportunity to help a visually impaired runner, it's very easy to do that. I'll put the link in the bio and info for this episode. In a moment, I'll be joined by uh, none other than Vinnie Mulvey from VinnieMulveyFitness.ie. 
he and I are going to go for my final proper run before this London Marathon. And I'll record that chat for you guys to hear. He's talked a lot about good vibes to me. And I wanted to get your sense on this, Sonia, that Vinny's been very careful not to say anything negative to me at all in the last two weeks. And I've been abundantly aware of this because, you know, he's a no-nonsense guy. He tells you you how it is. But uh, the last two weeks, he's just been pumping me up. Then when you encounter people around you who are kind of saying you're mad, (laughs) I'm still hearing this from certain quarters where people that haven't listened to the show or haven't followed me on Strava or donated are going... Sure, what would you be running a marathon for? You're mad. Um, <laughs> do you, what's your advice on that when you encounter a certain amount of scepticism or negativity or even just kind of shoulder shruggy Irish stuff uh, that it kind of can get a little bit in on you if you let it? I think best not to engage, you know. I think you have to build up this wall of like positivity like you feel Vinny has been doing with you and you know the key to that is you know like I sent you this little list of things last night and you just write things down and you just focus on all the things that you can do mm-hmm. and and you know you accept everything that you've done you look back at the training you've put in and you know you forget about the days when it was hard work and realize that well that was all part of the process and, you know, you just every time you go out this week, you're you're feeling good and you're you're you know, you're feeling bouncy. I saw on your Strava that you were, you know, bouncing around because it was such a short run. Yeah. Um, but I think the thing is, you need to, I suppose, not overthink it. You know, you've got a lot of time in your hands now this week and you don't have to fill all that time with activity. But you just have to kind of somehow be able to relax and distract yourself doing things that are maybe not too physically challenging all week you know so you can do a lot of making up new jokes and um (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah i love that you assume that that's not work Uh, (laughs) uh, it's it's not you're sitting down doing that right are you actually standing up walking around the house (laughs) i I do tend to pace i'll be honest with you i do tend to pace (laughs) and talk when i'm writing those uh sonia brings it up so i may as well mention it i am on tour at the moment if you'd like to come and see me on tour there is a handful of tickets left for the everyman theatre on may 12th i would absolutely love to get that one sold out galway totally sold out may 25th hurlis may 20th that sold out Driacht, 18th and 19th of may that sold out as well but good news dundalk on june 25th is on sale newcastle june 29th edinburgh july 1st glasgow july 2nd liverpool july 7th Armagh July 8th, Jesus, I'm going to be busy, and Limerick. I will be coming to Limerick on September 30th. I don't know if you saw that, but Eck and Sue from uh, Love Island, Tanya, refers to Limerick as Limerick, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm on board. I want all the Limerickians at the show uh, on June 30th. It's selling out really, really fast, and there's more dates being added. Definitely finding it hard to chill. Uh, with all of the podcasts that I'm doing and all of the touring going on. But I guess uh, your list was a big help, Sonia. Do you want to give us a rundown real quick? And I'll post the list in the uh, notes for this episode of what your top last minute things are for anybody attempting a marathon. 
Okay, so what I have on my fancy paper here, uh, small notes, big dreams, it says. <laughs> and um, so the list, the list starts off with making a list. <laughs> so everybody, you don't just follow my list. You've got to get your own piece of paper and pen out and write down your list. Um, but the key things are the, the gear, what you're going to wear, the shoes, and your number. You got to have those. Make sure they're, you know. Which if, you all that, if, if nothing else, gear, shoes and yeah. number. Yep, gotcha. Mm -hmm. they're, they're sitting out ready for you. Also, alongside that, I would plan what you're going to eat and drink in the morning. Have that all lined up as well so that you're not scurrying Got around it. the place. Now, Done. because you're in a hotel, there's limited stuff around. So, Yeah, we're know, bringing you, it. We're bringing the Nutella you, and the bagels with us and the porridge. You'll see, you'll see everything that you need. So what time are you getting up? Uh, good question. <laughs> I'd say we'll get up when <laughs> Mikey wakes up. <laughs> you haven't decided yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what um, time are you actually starting at? Um, I should know that. <laughs> I know there's I know there's different waves. I'm asking yeah. you all the difficult questions now, Jarlot. There's only yeah. yes and no answers to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I should pull it up. Um, I, I, I guess uh, I guess that's why this episode is important, Sonia. I need to know these things. Uh, I, yeah. I'll get right on that. But uh, as far as I but know, it's close enough saying... to 11. OK. All right. So well, that's good then. That's not too early for me either then. Or maybe mm. it is. Because <laughs> <laughs> Boston Marathon was perfect because it was on at like 6.37 in the morning it started, which was right about when I got up. Um, oh, but I'll be right. eight, eight hours behind London, so I'd have to work out a plan on that on next Sunday morning. Um so yeah, my start wave is a ten twenty two to ten thirty two, and my start time is ten thirty six to ten thirty nine. Uh, there you go. Okay. I did know. Okay, right. So, do you know exactly how you're getting to the start? Uh, well, as far as I know, our hotel is right there at the start line. Uh, so I'll be right. strolling over to Blackheath. Uh, recommended uh, arrival time is nine twenty seven. So they want you there an hour before your start time so i guess that does leave me getting up at seven and yep. getting tucked into that uh food but i guess you've got to think about well you don't want to have your food way before your start time or you'll be starving by the time the race starts well you need it a good bit before like you don't want it sloshing around there when you're running down the road mm. and you need to figure out where the port are yep yeah get that uh, all sorted and you need to figure out from where you're going to be on this. Because the thing is, they put you into pens and you might get stuck in there. You mm. don't want to go in too early. Gotcha. Laura so, Hobbins got in touch to recommend taking an Imodium to help with any uh, stomach upsets. That sounded like a new thing to me, Sonia. If I haven't taken something like that, a stomach settler, should I avoid that on the day? Ooh, yeah, that's a new thing to introduce. All right. But mm. yeah, I mean, the thing is, you don't want to feel like you're too heavy running around either mm. i don't know maybe she i don't i don't know i i have heard of that before i've not ever done it i would need to talk to more people to find out well, when do you take it like do you take it as you're on the start line or mm, maybe i'll mention that to yeah. Vinny in the second half of mm. the show uh, yeah so next that. next on your list was minimize walking about the day before plan the day before yes well you don't have your number yet do you no, I'm going to go to the expo on the, Saturday and pick that up. Yeah, which is a bit of a catch-22 about this whole marathon. They force you to go to the expo to be attracted. You love this place, but you know, <laughs> you've got to 
you've got to like put the blinkers on here because there's going to be stalls everywhere with gadgets and all sorts of running paraphernalia that you'll want to check out and you know things that you'll be attracted to say oh I'll give that a go but you can't because you'd have to try anything new mm. so do you have to go there the day before or you can go two days before or what's your yeah, plan well I'm, I'm landing in on Friday afternoon so it might be tricky enough to get there on Friday oh, yeah. evening, but maybe I should try because it definitely will be pandemonium down there but this is all part of the planning as you say of the day before now avoiding walking at these things can be pretty hard but i guess this does happen you've heard of this people overwalking the days before oh yeah i mean there's so much going on in the the expo halls are massive like they're so big and then there'll be a big long line that you have to wait to get up and get your number um so maybe ask around a few people who've been to the london marathon expo in recent years maybe in recent last year because there hasn't been too many recent years and find out when is the busy times and when are the quieter times to go there mm. and work out because you'll have to get there from where you are out at the start line I'm literally parked out here outside Vinnie Mulvey's uh, clinic about to go for this run with him directly after I finish oh, talking nice. to you Sonia so what would be the final thing you'd say to me now with this four-day window now to the race what what should be at the front of my mind what is the thing that you find it hardest to get through to people with four days to go i think the main thing is you just have to keep it simple and don't overcomplicate things it's not you know that difficult it's just about getting the balance right and it's not any you're not doing anything that you haven't done before a few extra miles yes but yeah. the preparation the sleep in the night before, the meals. You try to think about when did that work best for me? What mm. did I do that worked best? And then try and replicate that as best you can. And then if things don't go perfect one way or another, whether it's sleeping, eating, whatever it is, travel, then you just accept that and you don't dwell on it. You know, those are just challenges that you have to overcome. The thing is, some things you won't be able to change, but you do everything you can to have everything as prepared as best you can and you focus on all the things that you can control all the mm. things that you can manage and just try to be as calm as you can yeah and not us. worry too much and and just not have the not present debates with yourself like what socks am i going to wear you have to know that today what shoes am I going to wear <laughs> like I think it's so funny that like your advice has been absolutely unbelievable I really do want to say thank you for all the help you've given me over the last few years it does feel like uh, we're arriving at a big big moment in this uh, but I still think it's absolutely hilarious that so, so much of the advice you're giving me is because you know that I do overthink. <laughs> this is my biggest problem. <laughs> and in so many ways, it's been what the podcast is, that nobody thinks to ask these questions of you. <laughs> but here I am. <laughs> People wondered, would we run out of stuff to talk about? No, because Jar overthinks everything. <laughs> and there's always questions to ask. But I get it. And I get that that's great coaching, the understanding that. I am a guy who overthinks and you're urging me not to do it as hard as it is. 
is is the piece of advice that I will hold with me over these final four days. So thank you, Sonia, for squeezing this into the schedule over there at Portland. What's your plan for the week? What's your what does the what's on the running menu for you? Um, so we have a big training week this week. I don't think we have anybody running this weekend, so that means we're full on training. And then next week there's a, quite a few races on. We've got the Drake relays and the pin relays, which I'm going back to which very is good. a very, very exciting place to go to. Looking forward to go back to Philadelphia and meet up some Villanova friends over there. Um, but yeah, trying to stay warm and dry because it hasn't, spring hasn't really sprung here yet, even though there's hints of it, but not consistent hints. Um, it seems to be slow all around the world, I think, spring this yeah. year. I'm happy so. about that now. Uh, my biggest fear, <laughs> fear about London was that it could be 28 degrees, but it looks like it's going to be a cool 14, feels like 11. Uh, if you're in London listening to this, come on out, give us a roar and uh, maybe we'll grab a pint afterwards if you're going to the finish line. That's the other thing I'm looking forward to, Tanya. No food guilt afterwards. <laughs> uh, really looking forward to that. I'm going to head out for this run with Vinny now and bring the microphone along so you guys can come with me. I think the main thing you got to do is once you decide what you, on something, no matter what it is, because there's lots of decisions to make, mm. then you have to stick with it. Yeah. Once you make that decision, then you just move on. OK, I've got that now. Okay. And don't question. Don't question yourself. OK, cool. Great advice. You'll be fine. Yeah. You've got a lot of people in your corner cheering you on. So that's yeah. the main thing. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Sonia. Okay. Have a great week right. there and uh, okay. I'll be talking to I'll you. I'll be in touch during the week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Take care. Right. Bye bye. Sharon, it's Nora Langan here. You've got this. No fear, yeah. Well, there really isn't. Time to believe in yourself. It's in the legs. The training's done. So good on up. From the buzz at the start, to the high fives, the kids and their jellies, and that super feeling crossing the finish line. The hand of friendship, and there must be inspiration for everyone watching this. Helen Carr here. I just wanted to call to wish you very best of luck in your first marathon in a London marathon this year. I hope on the day you remember that the marathon is just the reward for all the training, just the, the victory lap. Struggling, but he's going to make it. Come on, David, you can do it. And this is what I love about the London marathon. camaraderie. And look at him, he said, come on, it's there, you can do it. What we're seeing is the spirit of the marathon. It never, ever fails to inspire you. The 37th London Marathon gets underway, a sight to behold as ever. Hey Jar, Addy Booms here. Best of luck, last few days leading up to Sunday now. All the hard work is done, all the miles are in. Absolute faith in you, no problem at all, all the hard work is done. Best of luck for you. That we're looking at now is the essence of the marathon. And when the human spirit comes together, can the human race be united as one? And London does that. This is the best marathon in the world. Neil Fusco here. Like so many of us, you promised you never would, but here you are, facing the barrel of your first marathon. Enjoy it, man. You'll absolutely love it. It's the greatest feeling. And just laugh at every sign you see and high-five every kid you can. You'll absolutely love it. Hi, Derek. Don't Deegan here. Have a great day. You're going to smash it. Take it easy at the start. Even you're feeling great, because it'll stand to you later. And remember, you have fun on the day. Out doing it. It's probably my last real run, Vinny, before the actual thing, is it? Uh, yeah, of course. Well, yeah, you have another little one, I think. Um, two mile run, I think, or 3k run on Saturday. Someone cutting their lawn there, or yeah, uh, power hosing. And uh, 
Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, this is your prop, last proper run. It's not even a proper run, really. Like, like let's be honest. So, um, how many people do you see make a hames of this last week? Uh, oh, a lot, you know. Um, and and I don't think doing too little is ever a mistake. Yeah. But uh, I think you get people going too quick, or they do too much, or they, you know. I don't know. Yeah, you do. You do get a little bit. So they feel guilt uh, around taking the foot off the pe- the pedal. People are gluttons for punishment a bit, and they feel like you know that feeling. You feel lose like their fitness. Yeah, I should be. I should be working harder here. You know, and um, so I think so like what we're doing today is the two mile tempo, just nice and easy three k tempo, and. Uh, the idea is like it's very easy on the on the on the um, the taper week to just switch off, you know, mentally, physically. Yeah. So this kind of wakes your body up physically, wakes your brain up a little bit, gets you into that marathon pace a little bit. But then when you you know just as you start getting moving, you're stopping, you know. Yeah. Turn it off. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Well, should look with give it a lash, record a couple of bits and bobs as we go. Good stuff. Then he does his 35th spit of the run. You're a spitter. Vinny. <laughs> you haven't stopped spitting since. I spit a lot on runs, yeah. <laughs> um, the last thing Sonia said to me was around overthinking. And as she said it, just occurred to me that this has been her challenge with me is the overthink right okay do you, you feel the same way you do overthink things yeah but well, I, I don't think you do as much anymore when you came to me in november you know you were jesus you were thinking a lot about a lot of stuff and you know when it came to the running you know i was you were texting me about runs and what would I do and you know now you're just I think you're just finding yourself more and you're getting more confident and that's, yeah. that's what happens you know I think that's probably it yeah that you just have a bit more faith Another but I spit. guess when you're put to the pin of your collar and as we said to Sonia 30, beyond 35k is the unknown at the moment how do you stop yourself overthinking when you're tired because that's when it happens right yeah. As you know from the New York experience. Well, look, there, as I said last week to you on the podcast, there is going to be a point where you're not going to feel so good. It is going to happen. And I don't care who you are, you know, what, what type of training you've done. That last five or six K, it's going to hurt, you know. And you've got to be ready so for it. So you just need to knuckle down. It's so batten down the hatches and say, right... Let's get it done. Just dig in as hard as you can and, and concentrate on what you're doing. You know, and... Don't so stay in present. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's complete mindfulness. You're going, focus on that finish line. Think about who's going to be at the finish line waiting for you. You know, and, and it's that whole thing of, you know, a few minutes uh, hurt, or a few minutes of hurting... Is, is worth a lifetime of pride. Do you know what I mean? Like, the crowds will get you there alone, you know? So, yeah. I fucking can't wait for the crowd. As I've said before, 
My man, he loves a round of applause. Didn't feel like work, Vinny. To be honest with you, the that old tempo. It makes a big difference when you're with someone, doesn't it? Yeah. And you're yapping, you're, talking shite. Yeah, you're talking shite. And running too. I'm doing most of it. And running too quick. Yeah, sorry about that. No, that was that was probably both of us just getting excited and talking about Sunday, and you know, but uh, you know, we're only doing two miles, so it's, a, it's no big deal, you know. Yeah. All done. Vinny stretching out that calf. Oh, 8K just tripping along, right? That was yeah. the idea. I'm looking up my watch here to see what splits we were doing. I think we were hitting like 440s or something. Yeah. But with like, I, I was actually listening to your breathing more so. And I was like, he's absolutely fine here. So <laughs> I assume that's how you felt. Yes. Yeah. No, I did. Uh, like I, I said to Sonia, bouncy. Uh, and that's obviously where you want me. Yeah. Yeah, I want, I want you... I, I, I hope today now you'll you'll go home going Jesus that wasn't that didn't take anything out of me and that's why last week I had you doing the kind of longer ones still you, I think some people would be like just a week and a half to go should you be doing such a long one you know but it's it's nice now to just go that's all I have to do yeah yeah you know we're it's there now yeah it's great um, we talked about an awful lot in the first half of this show about you know the very last bits and pieces but I know what the plan is. 5.20 the whole way around yeah and just don't get any ideas but what about that 35k mark she mentioned a plan A, B and C yeah, well, if here's... I find 5.20 is too fast if oh, a yeah. person in a marathon finds their pace is too fast what should they do and second part of that question how much either side of 5.20 am I allowed to go um, first of all you're not going to feel like that's too fast you are going to feel like you're jogging like you really are like we just ran 440 pace there you have to run 40 seconds a k slower you're only tripping over yourself you know but should that happen um you know just in general with people you know what do you do if you're like shit this is i've I've kind of shot the gun here a bit and i'm i'm going out too quick just just back off and and don't panic you know decide on another number yeah i would yeah just say right you know just say your pace is 520 pace and you're going i don't feel great here you go right you know what don't force it let's just go back to 530s and see how i feel yeah and then maybe return if things yeah and if you if you get a second win then you go right you know i'm gonna try 520s again but if you go back to 530s and you're still like i'm not feeling good here then you, you could be just having an off day you're sick or something so you just go do you know what i'm just gonna enjoy this right you know and your second question um how much the, either side the leeway yeah. yeah um i think you need to break it up into into portions do you know so i think the first 10k i don't want you going any quicker than 515s like for for even one of those k's okay you know and then 10 to 20k you can kind of you know stick to that to be honest with you um i'd say in in only the last 10k 
if you feel good at like 30k you know go to 515s 510s see how you feel and if you're like geez this is grand then say right in another 2k i'm gonna go again you know but if if the scary, wheels start coming yeah, off scary you just go back like, yeah you know okay but like my my idea for you to be honest is try and run five five fifteen to five twenty the whole way the whole way but when you get to 35k assess where you're at mm-hmm. and if you're kind of going just i'm going all right here just squeeze it a little bit and go right five tens or something don't go four fifties like so it's just on the phone to paul tonkinson who people will know wrote the book 26.2 miles to happiness and you know he's run london four times and he made the point that in some ways you've got to remember that the 42nd kilometer is autopilot he said that last mile or so you won't even remember it you probably won't even remember that you know you'll yeah like even the last the last 3k it's just get to that line get to the line get to the line and yeah you're right the last k is just like right i'm there yeah. you know i'm there this is i've done it Fuck. you know just my stomach just flipped there so like like <laughs> like, it, I, like in reality you know yeah it is a 42k race but you know only about 10k of it are gonna be hard yeah and keep you know, that in your so, mind. So keep that in your mind. Like like the first twenty five K you should be like, This is piece of piss, like <laughs> you know? And 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 that's that's your phrase, you always say that and, and I, I've no doubts that that'll be like you're you were you were doing your, your long runs in the Phoenix Park at this pace yeah. and you were grand, like, you know, and, and just keep the head. Keep the head, yeah, that's all it is. Yeah. Just like you are on autopilot, the training's done. Just be like a horse now and just go out there and run. Well, Vinny, I can't tell you how grateful I am that we're here in the sun, as you predicted, uh, outside the Pillow Hotel that time, uh, ready to go. And uh, I will be in touch during the week. But massive, massive thanks uh, for getting me this far. Yeah, you're welcome. It's been a great journey and it's only beginning, really, isn't it? Dublin is the next stop. Yeah, like there are some people who are maybe doing um, London this weekend and they haven't thought beyond that and they're going to be waking up on Monday going, what do I do now? Yeah. You know, and that's a dangerous place to be because you're like, I'll take a month off and then I'll see where I'm at and, you, you know, you just drift then. You you have a, another goal for the year, which is, it's great. It puts things in perspective, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's exciting. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jared. Good man. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. One of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise wise. Imagine, you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress.